So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzle cast, welcome to a special Bizzle cast with Papa Bizzle himself, which is always special in itself, but this is extra special because we mostly do Daredevil commentaries, which I absolutely love and listen to, and you guys are listening to, so thank you. We're going to continue doing Daredevil commentaries. The big discussion at this point is what happens after Daredevil 3. Dad, we'll talk about this. Um, but today, we're talking TV and movies, and this is thematically, guys, a follow-up to my Haley Steinfeld Batgirl DC rant that apparently a lot of you guys either like or at least listen to based on the numbers. So again, thank you. Um, but that was straight from the heart. But it's going to lead to stuff uh, in new directions and more in Papa Bizzle's territory. But Papa B, as I welcome you in, what other podcast will give you a photo of 365-pound, full-muscle, no-shirt Tom Hardy followed immediately by airbrushed blue and purple photos of Taylor, a.k.a. Tay-Tay, Swifty Swift. Yeah, that, that's true. That's, uh, that's a juxtaposition you don't see just every day. If you want to know the deep psyche of the bizzle when it comes to anything pop culture, guys, what I just described, think about it. Those are the two ends of the spectrums, basically. Right, right. Um, well, Papa B, it's great to have you on. Um, you. We're definitely going to keep doing commentaries, but I have to say, Dad, do you want to guess when our last non-commentary uh, podcast was? Well, you, you told me off the air um, as an aside, so I guess it was something like a year ago, which, which surprises June me. June 2018. When? June 2018. Wow, over a year ago. And in addition to talking briefly about the state of the Bizzlecast and the solo movie, which at that point we loved, the nerds loved, made no money, and now it's made its money back, but at the time it looked like a disaster, um, we were mostly talking about Deadpool 2, and specifically how we thought Deadpool 2 was big, better than Deadpool 1, and the reasons for that. Mm-hmm. And guys, we're going to be talking about some of my favorite characters in movies, from The Dark Knight to... Um, uh, Wonder Woman, Black Widow, stuff coming up. Haley Steinfeld, of course, with Batgirl is going to come up. Dad, I want you to talk about Pennyworth, which is also from the... Because it is from the nerd universe. It is a Batman property, even if it's yeah. own thing. Yeah. And it's important. Uh, the Dark Knight, which we watched together, and some other things. But listening back to the podcast today, Dad, what was really in- interesting is that the, one of the reasons, other than Ricky, obviously, from Hunt for the Wilder People, Julian yes. Dennison, and Domino, Zazy Beats, who's, of course, now going to be a giant star, the young black woman who played Domino, who we loved uh, in Deadpool 2, was that what we loved was that it wasn't action, comedy, drama, action, comedy. There was like a, a smooth continuum of all the things we loved about Deadpool. And not only that, but by the end of the movie, you realize that the foul-mouthed, ultra-violent Deadpool had at least as big of a heart and was big of a teddy bear as Captain America. It's no one's right. coming. Right, right. I mean, you know, if there had never had been a, 
Deadpool 2. I would have been very, very satisfied with Deadpool 1. But the fact that uh, they made Deadpool 2 even better than Deadpool 1 was uh, was really amazing. I was I was really incredibly pleased with it. So I listened very closely, and I didn't. Um, uh, uh, 2018 me did not give 2019 me any clues, but it was either the beginning of or before the major negotiations for Fox with Deadpool, Logan, X Men, and so forth coming to uh-huh. Disney. Now, of course, that happened. We all sort of thought it would happen. It did ultimately happen, and it's working out great because by the time they launch Disney Plus in November, <clears throat> they're going to also be able to release the entire Fox 20th Century Fox catalog since the beginning of time as part of that, as well as the Disney catalog. Mm. But there's some concern about the rated R-ness because while we know Disney bought Hulu to be their rated R outlet for right. movies like Deadpool and Logan, they have not announced a single rated R property in any of their medium uh, or any of their properties so far. But you have Ryan Reynolds, who's as let's be honest, as as iconic as uh, as Gal Gadot, uh, Hugh Jackman, and Chris Evans in their roles. Yes, and he is. Gi- and a giant creative force, you know, who spent 15 years of his career and basically bet what was left of his credibility after some bad movies on Deadpool, and you know, no one deserves it more than him. Amen. Uh, yes, but I'm bringing this up for this reason, Dad. So, guys, I'm sure you've seen or listened to my 13 minute. Um, Haley Steinfeld slash Batgirl rant. Dad, I know you did. Mm-hmm, I did. So the question I want to ask you as we get into the problem of TV um, and, and film and, and a, a teaser, Dad, to you in the audience, normally I get two great podcasts out of every semi-podcast, one being the actual commentary and one being either the intro and or outro. And that's uh-huh. indeed where the Haley came from. Haley Steinfeld uh, Batgirl part came from, but this one was actually a th- there's a third part I haven't released from that same commentary where I defend Suicide Squad, a movie I hate and I tease is going to get better with James Gunn, but I mm-hmm. defend Suicide Squad as showing why even when DC succeeds, it's normally like by accident and or you know contrary to their uh, d- you know knack for sabotaging themselves, right. and it ultimately leads to a praise of Disney and me really going after people who you know you know say oh the mouse is watching they control everything you know it's the jews control the media thing disney controls it now deadpool and logan were with fox when they were made but most of what fox has done has been horrible and what i say is the reason disney and this is going to make sense but i want to get your input on this general thought is this may seem obvious to us but the reason disney is controlling 80 to 90 percent of the tv and film market is because they're putting out 89 percent of the actual good material for everybody so you know that 13 minutes, which, you know, listening back a number of times was, was both my angriest and most lucid 13 minutes ever, sort of in a row, um, on the Bizzle cast. And yes, it's because I didn't get my casting choice with Haley Steinfeld. Um, what I hope came across, Dad, I don't know if it did, because again, it's edited from a much longer piece, is that, you know, mostly my anger was about DC screwing up the Barbara Gordon Batgirl character. Yes, right, right. Even way more than Haley Steinfeld. Right. I'm actually happy is going to Disney, because let's be honest, at her age and level of fame, she should go with Disney, which is the safe bet. You know what I mean? Even if she thinks the other one is, is the good role. Exactly. Um, and the fact that Aquaman made a billion dollars, Wonder Woman made eight hundred. I'm pretty sure Wonder Woman's going to beat the billion of Aquaman next summer in a movie we're both extremely excited about. Um, but it, it's still impressive. Their new service, everything, 
and yet the one character that should be second only to Wonder Woman in importance for DC, certainly second importance for a female character in terms of the comics, but would appeal to the mass, the masses is Barbara Gordon. And, and yeah. what does we, you and I have had lots of problems with the Marvel movies the last few years, Dad? And we talk about that in the Deadpool podcast. We didn't like Guardians two. We were right. disappointed with Thor Ragnarok. Neither of us really loved uh, or, or even really liked Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange. We love Paul Rudd, but the Ant Man movies have been eh. and while all those characters have been good in the Avengers movies when they're with Whedon and the Russo brothers their yeah. own movies we don't like mostly because they're too colorful they're too predictable they're too over the top and not ground level which is exactly what Barbara Gordon is she's exactly more, she's more ground level than Batman and so DC is trying to carve out this Batverse and as you know with, with Jason Ritter and, and Alistair have been praising their move towards this gritty Batverse um, with the new Batman director Robert Pattinson in, in general yeah. then they make a decision like this and dead to to sort of to get, offer you the rhetorical um uh question that's not a question that i started with simmy you and i and yes me more but you and i love heli steinfeld yep our whole family loves heli steinfeld in fact we have all seen all the pitch perfect movies which is something most people cannot say um and, and enjoyed them and you like her but you also been there since ground zero before the bizzle cast and knowing me predicting her future yeah, because of True Grit. Because of True Grit, and then Pitch Perfect too, which was like right when the Bizzle cast was starting. Oh, oh, it goes it goes all the way back then. Oh, huh. yeah. so I, I, you know, I haven't had Brittany on in a while. It's great to have Jedi Geek Girl back. It's great to have Alistair back. Alistair's definitely coming back soon. Brittany's like doing overseas, you know, trying to save the world stuff. God bless her. It's way more God important than the Bizzle cast. And she does communicate back, but when this Batgirl thing happened, you know, she let's put it this way: I held out hope way longer than her after Joss Whedon was fired that Haley could happen or even Barbara Gordon. But now Brittany being Brittany sunshine everywhere is trying. And she does love all the bad girls, you know, being a nerd. She's trying to come up with the sunny side of things. And she was like, well, maybe this is good that they're introducing a young actress. who will be really good with a less well-known character. And I'm like, yes, but let's look at the young actresses that Marvel has cast. Dad, we mentioned Zazie beats from Deadpool, right? Mm -hmm. No one heard of, now she's a major character in the Joker. In fact, the only major female character in the Joker. And the reason I'm saying that movie is going to not do well is because Joaquin Phoenix and Robert De Niro and all those old guys aren't as box office, you know, yeah. um, uh, attraction as they used to be yeah. without female characters. She was great in Deadpool. Um, and th that's awesome, right? They cast Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Witch, who had done nothing other than be an Olsen sister, essentially. Uh, they cast <laughs> Tessa Thompson. Again, dead. Me and you, we saw Creed 1. Bizzlecast, this, this back padding is coming from, from an honest place to, to get to a point here. Dad, you and I saw uh, Creed 1 together and loved every part of it, including and especially Tessa Thompson. So when we saw Marvel pick her up, that made sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. But it's still not Haley Steinfeld getting nominated at 12. And you go on and on down the line right. of the Marvel people. What I'm saying, Dad, is Marvel is so good at casting and hitting at such a high batting average they can take chances on young casting for men and women. DC specifically, because they've had so many fuck-ups, should be casting A-plus actors, whether it's Summer Glau or Haley Steinfeld as characters like Barbara Gordon, and that's what drives me crazy. Yeah. And it's going to be the second part of my podcast, is it's the casting mess of all of this is what's really driving me nuts. Exactly, and I don't think you, you can debate the point. I mean, they should be going with A-level actresses like Glau and, uh, and Haley. I mean, they just should. And by the way, even though Pattinson has been mostly doing indie stuff since Twilight, 
but I told you he's got like an unbelievable resume of indie awards. Um, there's no doubt he's he's a heartthrob for women of all ages. Sure. So that's a great casting de- decision on many levels. Um, you know, whereas to cast your lead, um, you know, in what should be your, you know your major property after the big three. So I'm getting to hear dad because I want to talk here about Pennyworth. Which yeah, is and there's, 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 there's a direct connection now from what you're saying to, yep. to Pennyworth. Well, let me just do my setup and then you'll do your setup and talking about it. Mm-hmm. Because Alistair loves the show. Jason loves the show. They've been raving about everything. Pennyworth's the one thing it seems all DC fans agree is good right now, um, which is, you know, you had not seen The Dark Knight in full or not in a while when we watched it together, right? Correct. I, I had never seen I really had never seen it. I'm almost positive. I never saw it. Okay. So you add that. And by the way, Dad, you had the exact reaction of the vast majority of both comic book fans and non-comic book fans, including most Marvel fans like Paul, who admit that Dark Knight is clearly the best modern superhero movie. Um, clearly. you Right. And you had that immediately. Um, now, can I ask you a sub-question about that? Were you expecting it to be that good? Um, and... Like, was there a moment in the Dark Knight as we transition into the Batman universe with Pennyworth? Was there a moment, a series of moments when we were watching the Dark Knight where you were like, okay, I love Joss Whedon, I love the Winter Soldier, this is on another level? Yeah. No, I think uh, I expected it to be another Batman movie. I didn't expect it to be special and, and extraordinary. They throw Pennyworth on epics, right? Yeah, yeah. But their mainline CW shows are, are awful. And <laughs> as of this recording... I don't, I don't know how long I'm going to keep the DC streaming service just because as good as the shows seem, it's not enough content for what it is. But for a uh-huh. free trial in maybe a month to read some comics to, to do stuff with Jason, let's put it this way. The uh-huh. comics app for Marvel is almost as expensive as the DC app where you get the comics and the shows. And yeah, that's, that's crazy. So, you know, it, it's actually a pretty cheap service. But so far, the show I watch, Titans, is essentially... Take a show that's even way bloodier than Daredevil, has way more cursing than Daredevil, and even more adult themes than Daredevil, wow. but still feels like the CW, or even, I would say, the things I don't like about Orphan Black at times, with spinning cameras and, you know, background music, background uh, synthetic music, um, you know, electronic music constantly. Now, Orphan Black was great. You get the character moments with Allison and stuff where, you know, it just becomes like a twisted sitcom, right? Right. Um, this does not have that. Everybody's serious. Nobody's, I mean, Minka Kelly is one of the lead characters. She's beautiful and she's not horrible, but the, let's put it this way. The other characters are not that much better than Minka Kelly. Their animated shows have great voice talent. And the one I'm, everyone said to watch is I'm going to go to directly is the, the parody, really dark one, Doom Patrol, uh, which I mentioned before. Point being, DC's throwing a lot of shit against the wall. And sometimes they hit out of the park by accident, in my opinion, like Aquaman making a billion dollars. You know, sometimes, oh, this was my other thing, Dad, and then we're going to go straight into Pennyworth, is I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. In theater watchings of a superhero movie um, for your first time in the last three to five years, is there one significantly more than Wonder Woman in 2017? No, absolutely not. So, absolutely. Well, just to be clear, Bizzlecast listeners, my dad who mostly watches Marvel stuff like me, who hadn't seen The Dark Knight, now knows the truth, which is The Dark Knight is the best of the superhero movies, and Wonder Woman is the best of the PG-13 on-screen movies, and yet Marvel keeps dominating over and over and over again, Dad. 
Yeah, it's and crazy. Th- and that's is actually where my fury comes from, is that I'm pulling for DC. I love the Batgirl comics and the character of Barbara Gordon. We, we, I mean, we love Gal Gadot on every level. Now, of course, you and I saw that in her before a lot of people did. Um, although, you know, we have a little inside knowledge about Israelis. But still, you know, we, we, and to see it confirmed. But that... Patty Jenkins had to fight for the no man's land scene, the iconic her going yeah. on the battlefield first scene. They didn't even want, and so Patty Jenkins had to hard fight to for the best parts of that movie. Hard, Thank hard God she has full creative control of this next movie. Right. But like we were a hair's breadth away, and then the disaster, which was the Justice League. By the way, Dad, I like Justice League. Your thoughts? Um, I, th- I thought Justice League was very entertaining. I I enjoyed watching all those characters in, interact, and uh, uh, you know, I was I was I was happy with it. But just like they was, almost it, ruined. It, it, some, no, go ahead. It wasn't extraordinary, but but I thought it was uh, very solid. No, they had Joss Whedon take over because Zack Snyder's life is a disaster, yeah. and yeah. Joss made it feel like a DC Avengers movie, for better or worse. It feels like an Avengers movie, which yeah. I'm t- fine with. Yeah. But, Dad, along with them trying to sabotage Wonder Woman 1, they kind of sabotaged Justice League for the same reason, which was who should have been the lead character and leader of that entire film, which happened after Wonder Woman destroyed it in the United States. Uh, Jessica Jim. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. In the Justice League movie with Batman, Wonder Woman, and everyone, they did reshoots. They should have made Wonder oh. Woman the lead, both actress and the leader of the team, not fucking Batman, especially now Ben Affleck's gone. So I'm saying is anything that succeeded in that movie was almost accidental and against yeah. what they were trying to do, which was sabotage it. Well, then you I like don't Affleck. know how I, I don't know how they come up with with Pennyworth. I mean, mm-hmm. whenever I start talking about it, I, I'm just going to use superlatives about it. So I don't know how well, they... I'll use Netflix as the transition. So I talked about casting, right? So mm-hmm. Iron Fist Season 1 was very up and down. It took me a while to watch Iron Fist Season 1. Clearly the best part, part of 1 and 2 is Jessica Henwick as Iron Fist's, you know, on again, off again, but they're best buddies and she ends up becoming the Iron Fist and so forth. So that was amazing casting. You and I cannot watch Jessica Jones season two and three, but you know I adore the first season. And I think we can at least agree, Dad, again, talking about casting, they nailed it with Kristen Ritter. Totally. So what I'm saying is the problems of the Jessica Jessica Jones series and ultimately the Marvel Netflix experiment had not almost nothing to do with the casting of those characters. Right, right. I don't know how they can... Their stuff is so uneven, and Jessica Jones is the best example of it. the The first year, the first season is off the charts, extraordinary, an incredible uh, comics book based um, TV property, and then it just totally goes off the rail rails in the second year. I mean, totally, it was, it was unwatchable. Mm. Uh, it was written so so poorly. So just the juxtaposition between yes. season one and season two. I mean, what you know, the, what's going on there that that something like that can happen to such a beautifully crafted first season? You can blame DC for that too. You know why? Because mm-hmm. the creator of Modern Jessica Jones and one of the showrunners, along with Melissa Rosenberg, of the first season, Michael Brian Bendis, was around that time stolen by DC to do God knows what. Oh. Um. 
I know he's a guy, but guys, Jessica Jones, alias, you know, aka Jessica Jones from 2000, 2001, which launched all this, is Brian Michael Bendis, who's an absolute genius, also done great Daredevil commentary. Um, my point being, Dad, is you can't underestimate casting. So let's talk about Pennyworth um, w- with a highlight on the actors and the casting of the yeah. show. But yeah. big picture, what is sort of the uh, raison d'etre of, of, um, of Pennyworth? Well, you know, it's the it's the backstory of the young adult. Um, uh, I'm blocking that. Alfred. Yeah, it's the young adult Alfred who's just home from the war, um, World War One, uh, I guess, and uh, and then he intersects with um, Bruce Wayne's dad, who's in the CIA, who's stationed in in, in Britain. Hmm. Um, Bruce Wayne's dad. What's the dad's first name? Um, oh God, Martha's his mom. His dad is I forget. Mister, we'll tell Mister Wayne. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's a major character and uh, and, and populates one of the main storylines. But it's not like he's on equal footing with with Alfred. Now, I keep meaning to do my homework on, on these actors to find out where, where they came from. But, you know, this guy who's playing Alfred, this young... Yeah, I'll, assume, I'll do that. Do you just talk about the characters? The, the, this young British guy is just phenomenal. I have no, at this point, I have no idea what his, his background is. Um, but I could just watch him act all, all night long. And then his, his love interest was spectacular. His parents are spectacular. Thomas Wayne, excuse me. Thomas, right. I was going to say Tom, but right, it's Thomas. And actually, Thomas's sister is in, so Bruce's aunt is also um, in, uh, in the story in a very prominent way as an American coming over to England for certain, certain reasons. So both she and her uh, brother Thomas are in, in, in London where they intersect with Alfred. Hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, it's very, very interesting, but there are other storylines that are, are going on and, uh, his two sidekicks who are his closest chums from, or mates, I guess I should say mates from the war are terrific. I mean, the casting just across the board is great. The acting is great. The directing is great. Cinematography you hear is that great. DC comics? Um, the casting is great. Listen to the people cast good actors. Sorry, dad. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they they just nailed it with this. I mean, you know how much I love um, uh, Jessica Jones season one, mm-hmm. all of Daredevil, mm-hmm. The Punisher. This is every bit as good. And sometimes I, I feel like I almost want to say a tad better even. I mean, it's that good. I mean, look. So Batman, they. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Batman himself and his entire universe has the most and best bad guys of any character by far. It's not even close. I mean, all of the X-Men bad guys combined is way less than how many great bad guys or semi-bad guys Batman has. As I said, that other than Apple Pie, Star Wars and Batman doesn't get much more American than that. Batman's the ultimate. And that's why, that's why, Dad, that is why when you had Hawkeye and, you know, and, and the Hulk make a billion and a half per movie with the Avengers and now more. They had Batman, uh, Superman, and Wonder Woman in Batman v Superman. The three biggest, most iconic, and best-selling uh, comic book characters in any medium ever. And they lost money on it. 
That's part of my yeah. Suicide Squad argument. Is that Suicide Squad yeah. made almost the same amount of money because even DC people hated it and they just wanted something that was dark and different. That's DC. That's the DC fans' complaint is they want something dark and different, but then they'll get Batman v Superman. And they're like, oh, that's too dark, or you know what I mean? Like, well, they they have a great array of villains in this story and 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 in this show in Pennyworth, and one of them, this there's this woman who is a phenomenal she's she's funny she's psycho she reminds me i'll give a little plug to killing eve which is another one of my favorite shows Mm -hmm. and the the, the main villain there the assassin who's trying to kill eve this french woman uh or whatever she is she could be french she could be russian um do you know who who her name is in in show or other show no uh okay uh because I, you know, I haven't watched it for about six, eight no, months no, okay. since, since the last last season was was over. But um, she's one of the all time fascinating villains in Killing Eve, um, and this woman in in Pennyworth just reminds me of her a, a lot, both in terms of her, her 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 psycho, the psycho facet of her personality, but also she's hysterical, hmm. um, and it's just a great, great villain. Hmm. So I'm just. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's gritty, it's totally ground level London. And, um, once in a while I get a flashback to the war in, in, in Southeast Asia, uh, where they, I guess it was probably Burma, where they came out of, um, the three guys. Um, and, uh, so it's ground level. There's just enough comic booky feeling to the, the, the cinematography and the filters and, and the, uh, the the dialogue at times, I just I just think they struck a, just a perfect balance with this show. Hmm. Hmm. I so watching that actress, um, but that sounds cool. I know you love Killing Eve, so we've established you did start watching this after Dark Knight. Yes, um, but it was kind of a coincidence. So talk about epics and how you stumbled on this show. Well, you know, I've been a fan of, of epics for a while. They've done some great original stuff, like. Uh, you know, I'm mad for Get Shorty. Mm-hmm. Get Shorty's going into its third season, I think, maybe At fourth. Least, but yeah, yeah, okay, so maybe fourth, really. Um, it's just one of the best written and directed shows. It's hysterical. You fall in love with these these wacko characters. It's uh, it's great. So Epics, you know, has a soft spot in, in my heart. I think there's another show or two as well that that they've done in terms of original content that have grabbed me so um you know i follow epics and this thing you know i started to read a little bit about pennyworth and oh it's about alfred oh it's you know batman's alfred i said well i i I gotta at least try it i I gotta tell you i wasn't optimistic um because of how uneven their stuff can be but after the first first episode i mean i was i was really smitten so um you know, one of the things I always say is both a strength and weakness of modern DC is that they're not afraid to do the same characters over and over again in different places, on different channels, in different time periods, in yeah. different universes, whereas yeah. Marvel, everything needs to be in continuity. Not as much as Star Wars, where it really has to be, but Marvel is mostly in the Star Wars model of lore and canon. Yes. DC is happy recasting and so forth. Um, and so that, you know, again... 
gives me hope about getting a Barbara Gordon, maybe a much darker version on the streaming service, which would actually be cooler. But yeah. it also at the same time, you know, how many times can you cast the same, you know, character with great actors? You know, here they have a young Pennyworth, which as far as I know, we've never seen before in any, certainly in any extended form. I don't it's, think so. It's not something that I would have come up with, even if I were more of a DC Batman fan. It made sense once you said it. And of course, I love Michael Caine's portrayal um, in Elsewhere. Mm. Um, and, you know, I mean, what, what, what's interesting about Batman debt is that, um, so we talk about headcanon, us nerds, because sometimes we just can't reconcile what's going on in these properties. And so we come up in our own heads, like what the, the lore is, you know, mm-hmm. for, for the consistency. Star Trek, this is a problem too. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, Jason Ritter, um, new contributor who's great uh, as a DC guy, has said what I've heard a lot of people say, and I actually agree with, which me growing up in the Batman animated series, and they just released like a mega Blu-ray DV, uh, um, remastering of the whole thing from the early oh. 90s. Oh, nice. As a Marvel kid, that was the best thing on TV by far. It still mm. holds up even as an adult of, of something Re- from the 90s. Really? It does? Absolutely. Because you huh. get, you know, uh, uh, I mean, Mark, um, uh, Mark Hamill plays the Joker. And that actually, even with Heath Ledger, Mark Hamill is still considered maybe the iconic Joker because what I was going to say was guys like Jason Ritter between the animated series and the excellent, excellent, excellent Arkham games uh, um, on the PS and so forth the last 10 years Mm -hmm. where you get to play uh, ground level Batman. And yes, you're punching people, but you're also doing a ton of detectiving the shit out of stuff. you got all of this gear, you know, you're you're like getting fingerprints and you know what I mean? And, and, Mm. uh, you know, all that stuff and putting together cases even while you're punching bad guys um because you can't kill them of course he has to just punch them um Mm -hmm. but uh but that's considered like in the headcanon at the top along with the animated series and so what i'm saying is ratings wise i don't know where this is in terms of dc shows of the last two five ten years but if it's as good as you and everyone says you know it might end up being people's canon for pennyworth's um background at least on screen uh, whatever they've done before in the future does that make sense yeah yeah it does it does i'm I'm just i'm just keeping my fingers crossed that this is a really successful show and it goes on for a while because it it is spectacularly entertaining okay so guys my dad is i mean let's put it this way papa bay you have a nose for good TV, and you have a specifically have a good nose for TV that you like and you feel like you're going to continue liking. Yes. To be more specific, I'm not sure I can name a ton of examples of you watching an entire season or two of something and then giving up on it. But that's usually not because you feel hooked, but because you genuinely like the show, like Vikings, season after season. Yes, right. 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 I mean, you know, if, if, if I fall in love with, with characters and, and they don't screw it up too much like they did with Jessica Jones, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. But, you know, the, in the second season of Jessica Jones, they throw in that, that psycho mother of hers. And it just the whole thing did not make sense. It was dreadful. It just it was unwatchable. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think they didn't know what they wanted to do with the character. And yeah, yeah. They, they existentially made the wrong choice, which is hey, why don't we make Jessica Jones even more fucked up than the first season? When she, I mean, Dad, we saw her in The Defenders between JJ1 and 2 being way more normal. She's smiling. She's trying to help Charlie Cox. They form a friendship. She starts to actually have buddies with The Defenders. You know, like, screw Rachel Taylor and those side characters in her own show. She was already being more humanized, and then her life gets horrible again. But even more so, Dad, they tried to sell their life getting horrible again for not David Tennant as Kilgrave. 
So right. it's not even believable because if she could overcome Kilgrave physically and emotionally and while still dealing with it, they didn't know. I think they were writing it and producing it right in the heart of the Me Too, you know, um, the peak of the Me Too stuff where it started uh-huh. to get almost out of control and mm-hmm. then there was backlash and whatever. And, and that's fine. They can do whatever they want. Um, but yeah, and I think they just, you know, they, 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 they had bad casting and they had bad writers. And so, you know, I mean, if you start having bad casting and bad writers, then you're going to, you know, have a bad uh, production. So what I was getting to before is you have a good nose for television that you're going to like, uh, despite the fact that you like a a show or two or so forth on epics before, what was the thing that, that really um, hit home for you about Pennyworth? and got you hooked because you, you were feeling strong about this show pretty early on for the what? 10 episodes or so. Yeah, I think uh, I'm sure at least by the the second, the second episode, I I was totally hooked, maybe even in the midst of, of of the first one. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just very adult. Is very real. Um, they just have a way of making each of the characters incredibly three-dimensional. And uh, I don't know, it just uh, the whole combination of cinematography and directing and writing and casting, it just, it just pulled me in because I, I just think it's a real quality production. Now, even if they happen totally separately, which they kind of did, um, what are the through lines thematically – Forget the lore. What are the through lines thematically with this, with some of the stuff you loved about The Dark Knight when you watched it? Well, I mean, as far as as Alfred goes, I mean, I I love Alfred in in The Dark Knight because he's just he's just such a such a human being, and, he, and you know he cares about Bruce so much, and he's such a steward of of what what bruce is trying to do and i just he's just a great guy and um so that uh, i was hoping that i mean i, I knew you know michael Caine wasn't going to be starring in, in pennyworth but but the fact is you, you listen to this kid if, if you close your eyes to me he often sounds i swear he's trying to sort of adopt whatever that accent that, that michael that whatever that british accent is that, that michael Caine does as as alfred i mean he sounds like me even um so that's i mean that's the the direct through line from dark knight to to the uh the pennyworth tv production which i was going to ask you it's not just his accent but he, he has a speech impediment but that's part of what makes kane brilliant and you never want him to stop talking um and we have more examples of this that i'm blanking on there's a number of very famous very loved actors uh throughout the years that have a minor speech impediment that yes that, that's it's not an impediment. It's just a quirk. Yeah, um, and yeah. so I was going to ask you if they were trying to specifically channel some of that quirkiness in his vocal delivery, which comes out, by the way, like in Children of Men and these wackier characters comes out even more. It's, and so it's somewhat restrained in, in, in Dark Knight. You can't contain the, the beauty that is Michael Caine in any situation. <laughs> right, um, right, and right. as I keep telling you, Dad, it, I mean, Anne Hathaway, uh, Tom Hardy, and Michael Caine's spectacular performance, when he quits being on Team Batman in Dark Knight Rises, those three reasons alone, a reason to watch Dark Knight Rise. So you think they're, they're actively channeling Michael Caine in this uh, role, this character? I, you know, I, I've heard it in, in his voice. I don't know if I want to, in, in the kid's voice in Pennyworth, I don't know if I want to take it any further than, than that. But, but certainly when he's talking, a lot of times I'll think of my boy, my, Michael Caine's voice, Michael Caine's voice. Mm. Hmm. But he's, you know, he's in in Pennyworth. He he's a young buck, and he behaves a lot like. Uh, well, he he was a um, 
he was a special forces guy in 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 the war and so he's he's very tough he's very self-confident uh, but he's also very, very human. And you see that through the relationship that he develops with this young woman that he falls in it, it, head over heels over. Um, so does this, does this successful more successfully now? Um, uh, um, what am I looking for? Not nostalgia. Does it, does it more successfully nail this particular time period better in, than obviously, uh, I mean, you know, I love Haley Atwell. Another backpad I haven't said on air was Haley Atwell. That came up in our Deadpool thing as well because we were talking about Christopher Robin. Side note: You and I actually predicted in that podcast Christopher Robin would fail for being not cynical enough, and that seems to be what happens. Oh, gee. Um, or, or, or at least you know what I mean. Just too straight yeah. from the heart. Even though we love you and I love Haley Atwell, but one of the problems yeah. with, with Agent Carter, other than Marvel on TV with Agents Shield and so forth, has no idea what they're doing in terms of promotion and marketing. Was that it was a little too period PC? Um, it sounds like yeah. this is doing that a little bit better and around the same time period. Oh, yeah, a, a lot better. I mean, you just feel like you're right there. In, they're a little murky about even, I would say, even what decade it is, um, a little bit murky. But, I mean, it's, it's very realistic. And, and it, you know, it's nothing cheesy. Um, 1960s, a lot, a lot of, I believe. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of period detail. Yeah, it's really great. So I was getting to really about Batman, Dad, is that it's like – some of us like Batman, but then we keep complaining like I do. It's like, oh, we need a Joker movie, like more Batman. But then it'll actually release something cool new Batman like this, you know, or hopefully the Batgirl stuff or, you know, right, right. what's going on. And so his world, not just the villains, his whole world, you got Nightwing and Robin, the various Robins, the various Batgirls, Batwoman mm. getting Ruby Rose's actual introduction in a month or week or so, which yeah. I'm dreading because CW kills everything that we love ahead of time, but whatever. Hopefully she can rise above it. Um, it, it's a shame. She should be playing Batwoman, who, by the way, Dad, is very brutal, and even way more than Batman willing to kill people at times, is Batwoman in the comics. So it would fit way better on Epics or even their streaming services. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, for sure. But whatever. Um, is this show of... of um, uh, does it feel like an epic show? Does epics have an identity, uh, you know, in terms of their material? Well, no. It, in fact, it, it other than just the pure quality of it, I would say there's nothing particularly epicy about it because they've not done a, a comic book property before. It's completely different from anything I've seen. Um, but there's just something about the quality of what what they do and get shorty and, and, and in this that it's just. Um, I mean, I I would call that like uh, epics level uh um uh character uh of of this it's interesting you know netflix was founded specifically to be a streaming service although i guess originally it was actually a dvd rental service um and we go way back into the quote-unquote old days um, but you know, offering original material was a big deal. And then HBO certainly has been doing it, you know, since the late nineties. I mean, Larry Sanders was the first, let's be honest, Gary Shandling with Larry Sanders, what that show did in the late nineties, the original material on a premium channel. 
Um, and now everyone does it. And, and now, you know, Marvel slash DC slash Star Wars, I'm sorry, Marvel, uh, Disney Star Wars is doing it very self-consciously on a channel where they specifically are launching a million properties at once because it's those companies. I'm sure they'll right. be great and worth even excited about a good number of them. It's, but some of these uh, uh, stations that, um, or whatever you want to call them, channels kind of sneak up, right? With their, their uh, original offerings when maybe that's what they weren't originally for. Yeah, so there's five shows on Epic's original content that I, I've I've watched. Four of them I'm crazy about, and each one is so. There, there's Pennyworth, the comic book property. There's the Get Shorty, which is the the takeoff on on the movie, which is a hysterical kind of mob comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Perpetual Grace, which just launched this year, this season, um, which is uh, has a touch of magical realism in it. It's very, uh, it's like very kind of arty and, and, and avant-garde even in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I got hooked on that. And then there's Berlin Station, which I, I like as much as, I think they just concluded the, the final the final season. I think it was like five seasons. Uh, I think it's as good as, uh, as Homeland. Um, just a real traditional kind of CIA kind of a show based in, in, in Berlin with a lot of international intrigue. It was great, great casting, great everything. Lo- loved it from beginning to end. And the only one of the five that's not great, great is the show um, Deep State with my boy Walt Goggins, um, hmm. you know, from, from Justified, who's mm-hmm. like one, one, of, one of the best villains ever in the world in, in, in Justified. It's hmm. good, um, but it's not, it's not spectacular. But the, those other four are spectacular. Hmm. Pennyworth gets shorty perpetual grace and and Berlin station. I mean, speaking of Homeland, I would argue the only reason that show s- survives so long is specifically because of casting of the top two, three, four characters. I mean, you take out Claire Danes and and, and Mandy. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Dad. It it might still be on TV, but you would not be watching it, in my opinion. In my opinion. Yeah, that's probably true. But you as know, opposed the, to uh, Vikings, where spoiler alert, they kill one of our, if not our favorite main character, and add characters that you don't even love or, or even despise, but you still stick with Vikings because it's an ensemble cast with lots of other characters. Right. So where does Pennyworth sit between the Homeland? It's mostly about these two or three, and then there's a lot of side characters and the Vikings ensemble cast uh, approach. Um, it's more towards the, uh, the former. There's just, there's lots of characters. There's a lot of plot lines and, uh, it's not as sort of, it's not as narrowly focused as, as Vikings is with Mm -hmm. that, that core family of, you know, Viking characters. It's, it's, it's a little bit broader than that. Okay. Well, I have one or two more about Pennyworth, and then a couple of quick thoughts, and we'll wrap up. So, okay. um, what is the most comic booky thing in a positive way um, about Pennyworth that either you noticed immediately and hooked you, or as you sort of noticed over time? There's some. Um, I mean, it's a good question. I, I, I that's one reason I want you, you to watch it because I, mm. I, I, you know, being a, a film expert that you are, and, and the comic book expert that you are. I'm really interested in what your eyes sees. I think there's a lot of subtle comic booky stuff, but um, a lot, a lot of the long shots um, when they're looking at like distant London in the sky feels like it has a little Batman feeling when looking at the sky and the skyline. You know, 
Hmm. Um, what else? Some of the characters are, are broad, like that has a bit of a, 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 you know, not as broad as, as the Joker, but, um, this woman villain that I was talking about, she has a kind of a comic booky feeling to her. Um, <clears throat> there's, I cannot the, find her. I've tried every search trick possible. I had no idea who it is. We'll have to, I'll, t- I'll, we'll find out afterwards and I'll, I'll paste it on. Keep going. Oh, okay. So, you know, I'd really like, you know, you to take a look at it and, yep. and see where you identify the sort of the, the comic booky facets of, of the production. And you, you like uh, Ben Aldrich as, as Thomas Wayne because, look, he's clearly very good looking. He's been in a ton of extended TV shows of, of varying qualities. And guys like that, with those two traits, sometimes are great in series like these and sometimes get exposed uh, as just being very good looking and, and career TV actors. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of the latter. He's not the, not a character that I'm, I'm most in, in love with. Uh, he's not... You know, he's not spectacular to to watch act. Little wooden, maybe, maybe. Although maybe the character calls for for that. Which is again um, another thing DC struggles with um, is, uh, and I think that going back to Jessica Jones' problems after season one, his not having enough and enough interesting and enough well written side characters to distract you from. I'm not crazy about one of these main characters or whatever. You know, he's. I guess his character. You could maybe. You could maybe. Um, Describe as, as kind of comic booky in that he's kind of a kind of like a, an, an eagle scout. He's very like straight arrow and buttoned up, and so in that way he's a little bit too two dimensional. Maybe that's how he's he's supposed to be. But there are other characters who are really very three dimensional, and like mm-hmm. the, you you could you could meet them on the street because they're they're, they're kind of that real. Like 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 Pennyworth. Pennyworth is just like that. I think. Well, obviously to nail that, yeah. Um, and I think that actually. Now that so one of the reasons the Marvel shows have been so uneven on TV is because Kevin Feige hasn't been in control of them. Mm, mm. And in fact, there's been some not so great people who have been in control of them. Um, where and, and that's where you know Agents of Shield was on way longer than it should have been because yeah. of the great cast. Yeah, you know, I was going to say Immortals. Um, and Humans was total failure. Peggy Carter should have been great, didn't stay on TV. Um, the Netflix, as we say, was so up and down. Um, What's going to expose uh, all of these studios, Dan, is now that you have Kevin Feige and Kathleen Kennedy with Star Wars now casting, not movie-level talent, but using movie-level casting agents and brains to cast television, meaning the, the sort of uh, you know mixed review you gave there of Ben Aldridge's Thomas Wayne, that's not going to happen in the mainline Star Wars and... Um, uh, at Marvel shows, that's why you have you know Gus as like a third level character on uh, on the Mandalorian. You know, right, I mean, right. And this goes back to my original point was like there's just a casting problem, and I mean they're they're casting too much for good looks across the DC networks. It's so so transparent. I've seen it now on all the networks, and it seems like this show's good enough to get over it. But they're casting for looks first on like every show I've ever seen uh, in modern DC. Um, now obviously the Dark Knight has good looking people, but they also cast the best actors on the planet across the board, you know, now that is Christopher Nolan in a movie. Um, so do you think that Jack Bannon as Alfred Pennyworth has the, uh, has the charisma and complexity to sustain this more than a season or two? Yeah, I I have no, no doubt about it. While he is a very good looking kid, um, 
and he's very charming in how he does his face acting and uh, the character that he developed. I mean, he is a great actor, and it, they're really demanding a broad range from him in in the show, very broad. And he he, I think he does it effortlessly. He doesn't, you know, he does not look like he he's working. I mean, mm. it's yeah. So the, the the villain that I'm I'm in love with, her name oh. is Paloma, Paloma Faith. Okay, Blom, Blomfield. Hmm. And she's she is uh, an English singer, songwriter, and actress. She's a 1981. Okay, another 1981. Uh, yeah, I saw her. Okay, so she's not even considered a recurring on Killing Eve, which is why I didn't see her. Um, no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, the, the oh, the villain that I'm talking about in in, in Pennyworth is P- Paloma Faith Blomfield. Oh, but they said she was also in Killing Eve. No, I didn't say that. I said she's as. <laughs> She's as compelling. A, a, oh, a, a, oh, man. I'm such an idiot. Okay. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Um, all right. A couple quick questions and we'll go. Um, just want to do a little boys talk here. Um, Black Widow in May, Wonder Woman in June. We're both excited for both a lot. But if you had to point to one that you're most excited for between the Black Widow movie, which is sort of a prequel uh, um, that we probably won't get another one of um, versus Wonder Woman 2, which hopefully will be good and successful enough to continue the Gal Gadot train indefinitely, um, but maybe has some things working against it being DC. Which one are you more excited for? Black Widow. Yeah. I was there for a while after the announcement. At the moment, it's Wonder Woman, but DC just makes me so mad that I almost want to say not, uh, but it's not Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins fall it looked at if patty jenkins has all the control in this wonder woman's gonna be great if they try and sabotage her again there's gonna be problems the one thing right. we know is scarlett johansson act you know does have creative control and so much cachet at this point in her own movie the big problem of course is neither will be rated r it's dark as they're trying to make black widow we know it's not rated r so unfortunately we're not going to get these straight up bloody murdering by natasha that maybe we hoped we were getting um but we do love her in uh, that character. Um, and uh, it's a testament to her that, you know, and, and Chris Evans in particular, that you and I keep coming back to Marvel despite our complaints, I think, I would say. Well, I, I, you know, I think, that, um, I think that Scarlet can carry a non-team Marvel character. And uh, I just want to watch her in this intense, you know, kind of born-like, somewhat born-like character. Uh, and see what the, what the kind of story they they weave for her because I know she's going to be spectacular in it. Mm. Um. Okay. Um, and it's you know it's 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 a completely new new thing because you really don't get that much of Black Widow in, in any of the properties. <clears throat> so I really want to see two hours of her. You know, I feel like I've seen a, a magnificent uh, Wonder Woman movie al- already, and I suppose the second one will be even even more magnificent, but you know, I've seen it all, all already. I, I want to see this, this new, this new property. Oh, uh, you ain't seen nothing with Wonder Woman yet. They didn't even begin exploring her powers and her movie in the justice. Oh, oh. And it's going to be probably in Africa and during the cold war. So that all is going to be interesting. Um, but you know, the thing that we basically only saw in the middle of the Wonder Woman movie with her jumping crazy distances and stuff, we're, we're going to see her bounding all over the place do, doing crazy stuff. But that's part of why we love Black Widow, and she's ground level. And that's part of why we love Hawkeye. And, yep. you know, why in the end, despite all my rage about the Batgirl situation, this is going to end up working out great for the Bizzle because my MVP in terms of least appreciated Avengers characters is clearly Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. Right. And I was thrilled just to get the show, but now that the show is going to launch, 
you know, the next Hawkeye, but specifically the next major character. And as we discussed, discussed last night off mic, you know, with all the female Avengers it, that they have right now, a lot of them are going to get killed off or just done like Scarlet or stuff, you know, or Scarlet right. would go crazy. So they actually do need an A-plus level actress to take over. And so Haley Steinfeld has, has taken over Hawkeye, leader of the Avengers. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's hard that what you just said about Scarlett Johansson, you, you know, I feel the same way about Scream Time, but then I go and do the commentary and i'm like wow she had way more screen time in these avengers movies than i realized because she's so subtle and there's so much else going on oh which doesn't mean we don't want more but it's undeniable that the main reason you and i love winter soldier in addition to the ground level is it's chris evans and her the whole time being cute and funny and so forth yeah yeah, so um okay uh just one or two more here um this one's more of just a uh, rhetorical question, which is, assuming it is what I think it's going to be, I am so interested to see what you think of the Witcher series on the Netflix, but that's not till December, because um, I think it's going to have the things you might like about a Game of Thrones show without the things you don't like about it, um, but it is still a very, very, very adult show, but very socially conscious as well, so that will be interesting. Um, really and, interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, my girl, hell yeah. Well, by the way, Dad, uh, the, <laughs> co-starring with Tom Cruise in the next two Mission Impossible movies, which now means not only do I have to go back on my promise to not see Tom Cruise yeah. movies, but I have That's to see right. two of them. That's God right. Damn, <laughs> damn you, Tom Cruise. God yeah. damn you, American treasure. Um, okay. Um, any other TV shows you've been watching? And then we'll sign out. Well, you know, I just uh, started watching this uh, miniseries, speaking of, of Homeland, by the uh, original Homeland creator, the Israeli guy, what's his mm-hmm. name? Yep. Uh, Raf or Graf or whatever yep. his name is. Yep. And so they did that we, we, in Israel before they did it here by the yes, way, right, right. listeners. So Homeland's um, actually interpretation of an Israeli show. Yeah. Yeah. And this one is called The Spy, and it's it's uh, it's based on Ellie Cohen, the real Israeli spy, and Sasha Baron Cohen is not related to Ellie Cohn, but he's he's playing the role, and uh, it's it's fascinating. It, it's it, it's it's really it's not as red hot as as Homeland. It feels almost a bit like a, a dark drama, but it's still it, it's it's so interesting watching this this piece of of history in these five. I think it's five. I think we're going to watch the last one right right now after we hang up in five uh, five episode mini mini series. Awesome. Well, my final thing to tie back from my stinger in the beginning, we call this boys talk. We also, between you and I, call it girls talk at times, Um, which is uh, Taylor Swift, which is, you know, because not just because I've come to respect Taylor Swift more uh, over time, but also obviously, you know, her being buzzed with Haley Steinfeld and other actresses I like, like Cara Delevingne and so forth. And just she's an interesting character. Uh, You know, I like some of her early music. Um, I'm not crazy about Haley Steinfeld's music, but she does have a great voice. And I knew that Taylor Swift re- recently recent, uh, released an album, Dead, and this is one of those Apple Music things I never would have done. I was like, you know what? It's nighttime. I got nothing else to do. I'm going to download Lover and try and listen to at least half of the new Taylor Swift album. You wanna, do you want to know my, my brief thought about it? Yes, I do. Her level of self-awareness, self-consciousness, um, and just understanding of who she is what she's gone through in the world around her is staggering i knew she was smart but these lyrics are like at times like almost beat poet level at least about her, you know her as a person wow wow i still don't like her music though. 
I, it's just too overproduced. You know, there's a level of overproduction in pop music I can't get over. But lyrically, she is doing things, and not just the lyrics, but how she delivers it. You know how Alanis Morissette in her classic stuff will occasionally talk in addition to singing? Maybe not. Yes. Yeah. So, or or uh, Joni Mitchell or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. Taylor Swift does a bunch of that where you think the verse is over and then it's just her talking over music for a little bit before they hit the next verse or chorus. So my point is very impressed with the brains behind the whole production. Wow. I just can't, you know, it's just too poppy for me. And that's ultimately why I love the Pitch Perfect movies musically is I can listen to Taylor Swift's song, but with much better versions by Haley Steinfeld, Anna Kendrick, uh, Anna Camp and, and Brittany Snow mm. or more listenable to me, I would yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, you might like it though. I mean, it's, it's very different track to track. It's very personal. And again, the, the, the lyrical stuff, uh, the lyrical writing is, is excellent and very interesting. So keep doing what you're doing, Swifty. We love you, girl. Absolutely. All right, Papa B. Thank you so much. I wish I could announce the next movie we're going to see, but as is the case all year, it's basically Star Wars in December and nothing else that I can tell. Well, we'll see. Maybe something else will come up. We need a hunt for wilder people. We need a Martian. We need a Creed. We need a hell or high water. Like, where are these movies? Yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, I'm going to see Felicity and Eddie Redmayne, you know, but again, another period piece, true story. It's, ugh, I'm getting sick of them. It looks like it has decent reviews, Aeronauts, but I don't know. Maybe we should give it a try. I'm definitely giving it a try. But are yeah. you at all sick like I am of all these period pieces slash biopics? No, I, I I really enjoy them. I I, I enjoy the the films and, and the TV stuff that has historical background to it. I guess when you cast two people who either won or were nominated for doing said type of genre of movies like this already, uh, right. and are just switching the lead and the secondary lead, it's a pretty good bet. Um, I'm just going to be man and woman crushing all over the place. So that's yes, gonna you be, will. that's going to be tough. But those actors <laughs> are spectacular. So all right, thanks. All right. Guys, we will be back to doing Daredevil. Um, again, we still have a bunch of episodes left, but me and my dad are still trying to figure out w- what we're going to do after Daredevil. But before that, we have, what, I think six left? I think we have six left. And you really like the newest one, which you rewatched, which I have. Oh, yeah, it's intense. Uh, episode seven is great. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, a train-off-the-rails ride the rest of the season, basically. I think that's right. It, and then they, there's a break with the Karen episode, but that's even more off the rails. It's so you know what I mean. It's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's like you think something's going to stop the train, but nope, it's just another obstacle to make it even more painful to run through or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, look forward to that. Thank you, Papa Bizzle. As always, thank you, Bizzlecast listeners. Check out. I've been dropping tons of commentaries. Just drop a Bumblebee commentary um, and uh, and some other stuff. So I thank you guys out there for all your support and enjoyment. And I'll be coming back at you soon. May the force be with you all. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out.